0: Are you looking for a great-tasting, healthy breakfast cereal? Developed by naturopath and nutritionist and my good mate, Damien Christoph, Forage Cereal is 100% gluten and oat-free, with no processed sugar, preservatives or additives, made with only the highest quality ingredients. And with a range of paleo, vegan and FODMAP-friendly muesli blends, Forage Cereal is bound to make breakfast your favourite meal of the day, if it wasn't already. Well, for a limited time, only for the Wellness Couch listeners, you get 20% off all online purchases over $50. That's right, 20% off off all online purchases over $50. Visit foragecereal.com and enter the code COUCH at the checkout and save. That's www.foragecereal.com and the code Couch COUCH at the checkout to save. thewellnesscouch.com Streaming wellness into your lives Sit back Light the fire Kick your shoes off Because it's time for That Paleo Show With your favourite caveman Brett Hill Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Brett Hill and this week I'm rejoined by one of our favourite guests. I think this might even be the third time she's been on the show. Welcome to the show, Leah Follett.
1: Thank you very much. I'm taking that as an acknowledgement of our tremendous friendship and the fact that I'm an amazing person. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and you're
0: awesome. And I'm like, oh, who can I get on who can just talk for 30 minutes without me having to yeah. do anything? I'm like, well,
1: right. Leah, this is, this is just this is like phone <laughs> a friend and hope that she carries you. No, yeah. I take yeah. that back, Brett. You know, we're, all, we're equal. We're, yeah,
0: I love <laughs> no, you. No, I you love know, you, Leah. Leah. One of my favourite people in Pally. I keep, I keep saying that to all my guests recently, but I just keep having all my favourite people on the podcast show, so but, it's great.
1: That's what life is about, you know, and – Actually, you doing this thing is you making a commitment to actually call your buddies and check in with them. And the fact that you're recording it is of no real consequence to me. I'm just ignoring that there's any recording happening, and it's just you checking in with me because we're, you know, we're pals. Because we're buddies.
0: (laughs) I like that. I like that. That's nice. So, for those who don't remember listening to Leah on our previous podcast show, um, you know, Leah has had her own journey along the way of of health and you know, uh, asthma and and all those sort of things that often people think of as being a little bit normal, unfortunately. Um, But once her kids started to hit 18 months old and weren't hitting their developmental milestones, she realized something wasn't quite right. With her second son, it seemed like they're in an ever-ending cycle of meltdowns, migraines, skin infections, diarrhea, constipation, runny noses, bronchitis, sleepless nights and more, and realized that the Australian diet and lifestyle was slowly killing them. Uh, her oldest son was diagnosed mildly autistic or moderately autistic, uh, with an expressive and receptive language disorder. So she decided that she needed to take charge and do something about it. She signed up to be an IIN health coach. Uh, she started doing gaps. She did a modified paleo diet. Um, she's done homeschooled her kids. She's taken an amazing journey to get her kids back on track. I was just speaking to Leah off air, finding out that her kids are now. Back in school, um, wanting to you know integrate and be more social, which is amazing. Um, so, Leah, it's been an amazing journey for you. Congratulations, well done.
1: I know it has been. It's but you know what, people have just shown up along our journey when they needed to, like yourself. You showed up just at the right time and gave us you know that impetus into shifting what we were doing or refining um, our gaps diet and moving into a more um, you know, low-carb, paleo sort of effort and actually understanding that whole evolutionary principle. So, you know, like people just show up when you need them and, you know, us moving and, you know, the kids going to school and, and everything, even for them, there were things in their way that made them change paths and directions. And, I mean, we're just so blessed because it is it, everything's just happened for a reason and it's just such a beautiful, beautiful thing to be on this journey with those kids. Um, it's amazing. Kids are awesome. Kids are freaking awesome,
0: Brett. <laughs> they are, right? The they? amount
1: of learning you do on your feet with a child, oh my God, that's uh, like a university degree in its own.
0: I was just about to say, there are absolute best teachers, aren't they? Because when you actually take the time to slow down, and look at things from the perspective of your kids and and see the world from their view and and even just try and explain things to your kids in a way that makes sense to them. It almost forces you to start thinking of things in a way that makes sense to you, (laughs) like just stop complicating things quite so much.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you know, they're the only people that can knock the wind out of your sails and you just accept it and take it on the chin as a lesson and then get back on the horse. If someone else tried to critique you or argue with you, you know, usually there's a breakdown in communication or relationships mm-hmm. or whatever, but when it's your kid and you know that that little Buddha in them is pulling your, your head and your ear back on, on track and, and making you wake up, it's just it's just incredible. It's so humbling.
0: So, I mean, you've had an amazing journey with your kids. Mm-hmm. As we said, we've sort of gone to an amazing place now and, and we we're sort of saying off air that, you know, it, it's almost a little bit sad but a little bit exciting that they've decided to go back to school and, and you know, wanting to socialize more and make more friends and play sport and do all of those sort of things. So, um, you know, it's an absolute credit to you, but it's been a long journey to get there. Can you talk a little bit about that journey? Because there's so many parents out there um, who have kids who, who may be on an autistic spectrum, they may not be, but are just trying to, to deal with the, the stresses of raising kids and particularly trying to raise kids in a healthy way and, and do what's right by their kids.
1: Oh, right. You stress, you, I mean, I, I listened to everything you said, but the key word there was stress. Um, for us, our journey started because our kids were in a state of nutritional distress. You know, they weren't absorbing food. They were anxious. So they were in a complete state of stress, not being able to break down their foods. They weren't producing their stomach acids. The immune systems were down. You know, they were intolerant to the world at large. They couldn't participate. They were stressed at every level. They were sensitive to chemicals in the environment, sensitive to the water because it had uh, fluoride and chlorine vapour still in it. Um, even in the shower, that irritated their skin. So stress coming from all manner of places and after, you know, just three short years, um, not not to say that we're not still refining and working because we're never going to stop with these kids. Like it's, they're just getting better and better and they keep growing. And now they're one of them's in puberty. He's 13 and now is at a school. I haven't even told you, Brett. So we're here in Melbourne and William got into a tennis um, school here. So he does um, five subjects, actual school subjects and 13 hours a week on court of strength and conditioning training, match play, and professional development stuff. So now I've got to support this body to keep up with all the, you know, the physical demands as well as what he's doing growing and everything else. So, you know, like we're never going to stop on that journey because he keeps setting the bar. He keeps going out there and smashing whatever I had in place and needing more. So and I think that's true for every family but such a journey and it's constantly evolving so it's never really going to be finished. But, yeah, you know, like – these children have just come such a long way and they no longer meet their diagnostic criteria. And it's because we took a step back and we looked at the stress and looked at their environment. We looked at their diagnosis and we were able to break it down into bite-sized manageable chunks and look at it and think, okay, well, what's the underlying cause? And we just took one of those things and worked on it, resolved it, and moved on. So, there's still stuff to go. There's always going to be stuff to go. Um, Um, But, yeah. It's
0: it's a massive credit to you guys, Leah. You you guys are such an amazing couple and such a beautiful family. And so, it is just such a credit to you guys. But, you know, I listened to that story, and I think a lot of people listen to that story and think, that sounds pretty extreme. Like, the... You know, the, <laughs> you
1: know, the criteria that your kids you were serious?
0: going, the, the yeah. symptoms you dealt with, the stress mm-hmm. you dealt with. Mm-hmm. But, you know, unfortunately it is becoming more and more common, isn't it? I mean, how, how common do you think this sort of situation actually is in our society now?
1: Well, you just have to look at how many children are in a classroom that are diagnosed and how many are still sitting in a classroom undiagnosed. You know, like there's, there's those and then learning difficulties. It's really hard to engage with these kids. You know, like they're um, just because of their environment, because of their food, because of their emotional program, because of what they've experienced in their home life. And I'm not saying that all kids have disastrous home lives. Ours didn't. You know, they had a fairly normal home life, but we still ended up with highly anxious children. But there's all these kids in the classroom and, and you know, like even our school system is going to have to change because the way the kids learn... It's not conducive anymore. And I'm like, I'm not professing to know everything about teaching. I did my teaching degree nearly, oh, I don't know. I think I graduated in 2001. So I've been out of the industry a long, long time. But, you know, now I just do adult education stuff. But everything's being forced to evolve and change. You know, there's kids with autoimmune diseases. There's kids with, and it's not even just kids, it's parents. These parents Mm. can't keep up with the demands of, you know, everyday life. and the stresses it's you know it's there's so many even in my circle of friends I look back at the kid, the people I went to school with and I'm still in contact with five or six of them and they're you know they're trying really really hard to be well and to succeed and and get on with you know just the practice of living and they're struggling it's not it's not fair we've we've created uh, a, a monster that we don't understand it's not that we can't tame it it just takes a fair bit of diligence to get there that's all.
0: Well, it's interesting you say it's not that you can't tame it because I reckon there would be so many parents uh, listening to this uh, who have kids who are struggling uh, and often they think that there's nothing they can do about it, you know, often they think that or at least what they can do about it is very limited, you know, and so there would Mm. be a lot of people listening to your story, listening to the journey your kids have gone on from where they were to where they are now thinking that's a massive change but is that possible for me and for my family?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So, sorry, got a frog in my throat. I've gone all croaky. (laughs) Sorry. Um, So how about we switch tact and rather than talk about me, because, you know, if anyone wants to find out what our journey is, they can always check out my book. It's called A Well-Fed Heart. Um, They can go to my website, leahfollett.com, Um, but let's just maybe talk about a few, uh, coping mechanisms, um, or a few things that we can do to sort of downregulate stress and say boost the immune system or just be healthier. Can we do that instead? Can we do a more practical session? Yeah. All right. So these are things that I do daily. So, um, you know, I've got the filtered water. I know where my food comes from. I make a lot of stuff from scratch and it's a low chemical home and I do that, um, as part of my everyday, that is my core belief, that's my basis, that's that's my camp, and that's where I feel comfortable. But depending on what we're going through, I have to bring in other resources. So sometimes it's going out and seeing an osteopath, a chiropractor, a nutritionist, um, you know, kinesiologist, all those practitioners, that's my next level. So I've got my base, which is food, water, and looking for balance and low chem lifestyle, and then I expand from there. The things that I do for myself, so you've got to refer to, you know, other practitioners because, you know, they're educated and they can see big picture stuff that I can't because, you know, I'm just a mum, And that's awesome, by the way. But the things I use in my my home is I use essential oils. I use restorative breathing, which moves into meditation and movement. Um, I eat a hell of a lot of chocolate. My kids thrive on chocolate. Mm -hmm. We can talk about that as well. And I also, we drink a lot of uh, herbal tea as well. So they're, the, they're those things. Understanding how you use essential oils is really important because there's a whole safety protocol there for dilutions and use in the home. Um, but that gets rid of, the, you know, a lot of the chemical burden and that in itself down regulates and reduces a lot of the stress on the body. So you're not as sensitive and you're not as reactive to those things. The body hasn't got as much to process. So everything we do, even tea, we use to support gut health and we use to calm, um, you know, the nervous system down. And, I mean, Brett, you would know about sympathetic and parasympathetic responses, and you could probably explain them a whole heap better than I can. Um, Do you want to do that? Yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean, really, it's, you know... To simplify it, really, it's about the fight or flight response within the body. And so, you know, our body has this innate, inbuilt fight or flight response, which is a really clever system. You know, it's really designed to help you deal with acute stresses. You know, in in Mm -hmm. traditionally, it was, you know, running away from a saber toothed tiger. And so, we have a system that's great at dealing with acute stresses and it does a whole bunch of things to our body. It, It elevates our senses, it increases our heart rate, it releases sugar into our bloodstream it down regulates our immune system you know all these things which make a lot of sense if you're trying to run away from a saber-toothed tiger uh, but unfortunately in our modern world we have chronic stresses and mm-hmm. so you know things like the bills or your job or your mortgage or your kids don't go away <laughs> they're there all the time and so mm-hmm. for many people that stress response is switched on all the time um, yes. and so it's about understanding how you can switch that or how you can switch that on less um, mm-hmm. so so you know managing your lifestyle whether whether that is emotional stresses, which are largely what we just spoke about, but also, as you said, chemical stresses. Whether that's the food you eat, the things you breathe, the things you absorb into your skin, um, the
1: type and- of exercise you're doing, whether you're overtraining, yeah. whether that's conducive to the type of, you know, body and the environment. You know, I can't go to the gym that has those black plastic rubber mats on the floor because I can mm. smell the rubber and it smells like a chemical environment. So I'm like, okay, it's great that I'm on a treadmill, it's great that I'm lifting weight, but at the same time. Time, this could be so much better if I took it and made it a more functional thing in a cleaner environment or I did it on my own rather than being yeah. with a whole lot of anxious people. You just start looking more broadly at, you know, every little thing you do. It's, it's, um, I don't know, living with Zen maybe that you just start breaking yeah. it down and seeing that everything has a purpose and a reason and you just make the best choice for you in that moment to get the best results. It's not exactly. necessarily that you're changing anything. You're just changing you know, your perception of it maybe. I mean, that's the biggest thing. You know, like if you believe you're running from the tiger, if someone's um, chasing you or handing you hounding you for some work or some paperwork or, you know, bills or finances, you need to, I think, firstly downregulating that is switching your perception. So I'm excited that I get to pay my bass because I've got enough money to cover that. I don't – it's my perception of what I'm doing is whether or not it's a scary you know, run from the tiger response. So, that's the other thing that we try to do. We try to always look it on it as, you know, with bright eyes, with love, with excitement and joy and all those other things. And that stress response doesn't usually kick back in. It's not usually going to be a panic if yeah. we know. It's, it's the way we internalize and process that stress.
0: Yeah. And then the other – there's the flip side to that as well. So, obviously, we've spoken about, you know, avoiding those stresses, but mm. actually – Consciously de-stressing as well, so you know you kind yeah. of have two circuits within your body. You have that fight or flight response, yeah. and then you have that sort of de-stressing response where you release dopamine and serotonin, you switch mm-hmm. off, you tone down, and so you can consciously do that too. So you know, movement is one of the most important things in terms of that. You know, when you move, particularly when your spine moves well, that's why chiropractors we love this stuff because it sends <laughs> messages back to your brain. It helps your brain release yeah. dopamine and serotonin. And it helps your body de-stress, and so it's not just about you know avoiding the things your body doesn't need. It's about giving yeah. your body the things that it does need and so whilst over exercising can be damaging then under exercising can be perhaps even more damaging um and and not getting enough movement is is really uh is really crucial but then also Mm -hmm. you know other things you can do to to initiate that de-stressing is you know just being mindful is doing things like meditation or yoga is Mm -hmm. you know maybe burning some lavender oil and and helping your body relax and unwind you know so it's about it's it's about avoiding the things that stress your body out but also putting in the things that help your body de-stress as well
1: yeah yeah absolutely um meditation and movement that's one of my favorites so they're more um sort of automatic tasks I can do with not actually thinking about them. So going out to the clothes line, pegging the clothes on the line, my mind, I'm in the garden, I'm in the sun, I'm doing something that I don't really have to put any thought into. And I just start to daydream and, and you know, like I'm not thinking about all the stuff that's going on and I start to breathe deep. So the distraction of hanging and putting pegs on the line is enough to quiet that monkey mind and allow me to get into a state of meditation. So it's kind of similar to, for some people. It's driving the car and they get from A to B and go, how on earth I didn't realize that I got here. And all of a sudden they're there. It's like they don't remember the journey between. Or, I mean, Mark, when he's in the shower with the water falling on his crown chakra, it just for him, that's where he gets these epiphanies and ideas. Or when you're running, you know, like it's doing um, a repetitive action that is you know it's with ease that allows your body to get into that deeper level meditative state and actually start to relax so it's whatever you feel sort of comfortable with but please don't anyone think i can't meditate there are points in your day when you go into that brain state and you are meditating you just unaware of it
0: yeah, and I think that's such a good point that I think often gets overlooked when we're talking about de-stressing or meditating, or you know, is there's no right or wrong way to do it. Like so many people want to tell you, you have to do it this way, you have to do this sort of meditation, or you have Absolutely. to do this sort of yoga. Yeah, it,
1: that's the first question. It's like, do you meditate? Yeah, yeah, I meditate. Oh, what practice do you do? Well, what do you mean? Yeah, I go like, you know, like this is this is my own. <laughs> oh, that's right. I go fishing. This is my own practice. You know, like I don't prescribe to any one thing. It's you know, like I'll take a few elements of this kundalini yoga and breath work and then you'll go and borrow something from say reiki I'm, I'm like i'm a reiki master so i you know live with life force in everything i do so i'm marrying those things and you know to get the best outcome in my life for what i've got time to do you know like it's about setting up that ritual and creating that tiny little window of space and it need only be five minutes but If you can think mindfully, you know how quickly that stress response turns off. You know, even washing the dishes. Oh, how beautiful is it to wash the dishes, bit of lavender in the in the sink. You're washing by hands, the hands are warm, you're standing there, you've got nowhere else to be. You just enjoy it. (laughs) I I know it sounds bizarre, but you know what I mean. You've got the vapor of the oils coming off the water you're nourishing your body as well it's being absorbed transdermally into the nervous system like you know why wouldn't you take an everyday task and just bliss just bliss it out with whatever you can do to whatever you've got you just make it work you know you don't it. need to you don't need to get the yoga mat and go to the gym or you know and and fit in with everyone else on a schedule just because it's 5:30 on a monday night we're going to sit down and do yoga no 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 5.30 on a Monday night, you're, you're setting up for the rest of the week. It's the you know start of the week. You should be enjoying and relaxing what you're doing, not to say that going to the gym. You know, for some people, that's how they structure fitting those things in, but I'm just saying that you can fit those things in in a microsecond in your day just by your perception and your thought process.
0: Yeah, and it does. It only needs to be a few moments. And I think that's, that's the key thing we're saying here is find out what works for you and, and do it in the way that works for you. So, you know, there's so much information out there around what you can do around your health and around your wellness journey. So, it's about, yeah. it's about just taking the little bits that work. And, and like you said, it, it might only be a few moments. Yeah, sometimes it's just three deep breaths. You know, it's like a couple of seconds worth. Uh, but that can just change the physiology in a moment. You know, it can make such a big difference.
1: But the difference it makes to a child. You know, like we're talking about stress and, we, you know, we've kind of gone away on this freight train of what we're looking at as a parent on ourselves or, you know, even if you're not a parent, you're looking at this, this big stress monkey that you've got going on. Even if you're talking about how you react, you know, like you're de-stressing your life for yourself but it affects other people. It affects the people that you work with. It affects the relationships you have with the lady at the health food store. It affects how you're going to approach the kids. So you're saying take three deep breaths. The, you know you downregulate that um, that stress response and all of a sudden you're you've got more clarity when you're conveying a message or conveying a, an instruction to a child or all of a sudden you don't feel like strangling them you've got clarity of mind and you become a better more efficient collaborator in you know in raising these children or in that workplace or you know like it's just such a profound thing if you can manage your own self then usually that just flows on to the other person that you're trying to interact with. It takes the edge off. There's this whole level of, you know, unthinking that happens in this clo- this dialogue between the two people before they even speak, you know, like it's in body language, it's in, you know, that um, unconscious thinking, you know, like you know when someone's coming into your office for an argument, you know that as a parent you're going to go in there and you're going to strangle them because the toys are still on the floor and they haven't done their homework. But and they know that too. You walk up the stairs, they've already they already know what's coming down the hallway before you got to the bedroom door. They can feel it. It's that sixth sense that we've all got going on. So if you're approaching, if you're in charge of how you feel. That will allow them to express themselves, how they feel. There might be a reason why they haven't picked up the toys. They might have been doing something else. Hell, they might have been enjoying that time for themselves. I mean, we just boss kids around and we've got to do this and we've got to shuffle them there. No one really sits there and and asks them or explains to them what and why we're doing that or why the scenario has changed. So that was a big issue with us with transitional stuff is I've I've changed, I've changed the, the goalposts to move. Today we were going to do this, but now we're going to do this. They're already set up for going to football training and it's raining. Well, of course they're going to have a meltdown. You know, like of course that's going to have happened. They're just not as good as processing those emotions and older people just bottle them up. And, I mean, would you prefer for someone to have a mini explosion and vent that so then you can help work through it mm-hmm. or do you want them to harbour it and hold on to it and explode and have a massive meltdown? in an inappropriate time because they just can't hold on to it any longer. So approaching the situations in a heart-based, more loving, more joyful place just through having those deep breaths is just such a profound, incredible thing.
0: Yeah, and I think what you just said is is absolutely spot on because I think that's what it allows you to do is you're saying that heartfelt is when you are able to de-stress a little bit, when you're able to sort of step back from the, the rawness and the emotion of things a little bit, it actually allows you to connect in with yourself and with your own inner sort of being and inner knowing. And and that makes all of the other stuff that we're talking about, whether it's your exercise, whether it's your diet, whether it's the way you're communicating with your kids – Everything else all of a sudden becomes easier because it, you just get back to that sort of more natural, more innate flow and you sort of, I guess you see the bigger picture and you and you don't react in such an emotional way and it, it makes it so much easier to make the decisions that you'd like to be making in all of the other aspects of your life.
1: Mm, and definitely, it helps you then build relationships with the family. You know, they don't feel as judged. You're not as critical. So, therefore, you're more approachable. Yeah. So you've got stronger relationships, more trusting. It's not a volatile situation. It's it's just approaching parenting with a clean, clear mind and not having any expectations. It's, it's allowing it to be and allowing them to express themselves in whichever way they feel or need to and you giving them the appropriate response. And, yeah. you know, I mean, these are just simple things for downregulating stress on all levels and profound just extraordinary outcomes just from you being mindful you tweaking something changing say your i mean like i said lavender in the dishwashing water um i'm not saying go out and buy a lavender you know synthetically fragranced i'm saying you know get a good quality low chemical um detergent and then add lavender to it you know like there's just those things you can do and the Oslo effect even to the environment so if you're regulating you're making better choices you're reacting to people or interacting with people and a more heartfelt manner you know everyone everyone benefits you know the 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 planet when you look at you know its chemical burden as well the way you connect and you know in with the environment when you go for your run you know that whole level of appreciation that you know, energetic exchange and, and uplifting that just happens you just become a better person a better human because you've got got that and created that awareness i suppose
0: And the whole connection with your kids thing you're talking about, you know, I think sometimes it can be really hard as a parent sometimes to acknowledge just how much your kids mirror you (laughs) and that, you know, know. how much the behaviours that you're sort of not enjoying and railing against are actually a reflection of the energy you're putting out.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I, You know, I'm just lost for words even when I sit back and I watch my two kids interacting it's like watching Mark and I I don't know which one I know which one I am and I know which one Mark <laughs> is and I just look at them and think oh my goodness I've programmed a monster what have I done so for Mark and I in our relationships it's we have to mirror what we want them to absorb
0: so, so is the monster the one that behaves like you or the one that behaves like Mark just to be clear
1: Uh-oh. the monster has red hair <laughs> And that may have something to do with it, but it also may, yeah, it's the little one. The little one and I, oh my goodness. Okay, we had neurofeedback training when we were living in Sydney in 2014. We went to, uh, I, this is completely off topic, but so relevant. It'll just explain family programming and genetics and everything. So we went and had neurofeedback training because my kids saw um, Retrain Your Brain with Todd Sampson. William met Todd Sampson. He wanted EEGs and Bray training for Christmas, so we did that. But we did it as a family. Everyone got EEGs, um, and we sat there and, and for the test results, and they pulled out these results, and they're just like, "Oh, the person that has this, um, you know, is has a you know a um, high temperature and." not temperature, has a high temperament, um, you know, they can't focus on any one thing, can't sit still, they are loud, they are rough, they this and that, you know, so personality typed. and I'm sitting there going, oh, yeah, that's Gabriel. It was bloody me. <laughs> he, read, he read mine out first and I was just like, yep, yep, I know, because we were playing a game. It's like, yep, yep, there's four tests out there and I had it pegged as him. And then when he showed me Gabriel's results and his mapping next to mine, it was almost identical. Mm-hmm. So the way he his brain has been wired is so similar because of how I experience the world and how I internalize it and how he imprinted from my behaviors even, even as a baby.
0: And how much of that do um, you think is nature and how much is nurture, Leah?
1: Oh, I don't know. I really don't know. You know, like it's I think we're genetically wired to experience certain things because of our environment because of who and how we are and what we absorb but oh my goodness I really don't know I really don't know I mean with that whole epigenetics thing you know is it it's a breakdown isn't it you've got your genetics and you've got this is what your genes are but based on the environment this is how those genes react and certain things turn on and certain things turn off so you may end up having an experience that turns on or you come in contact with something that, you know, flags an autoimmune disease for you or in my kids a behavioural issue which then or, a you know, an inability to excrete heavy metals, toxins, those sorts of things from the body. So for William specifically, he became – Um, you know, that's where he started to lose language and the processing and all the other stuff, you know, that's where he had developed an anxiety disorder. So I don't know at what part it goes from being genetic and then so many different influences on the epigenetics that then creates these different illnesses or imbalances or diseases or all those other things. But
0: I like to think of it as, I like to talk about genetic predispositions. So, you know, often we think about things like genetic determinisms where, you know, if I have the gene, then I'm absolutely going to get that. But very rarely is that the case. You know, Usually what it is is they have a genetic predisposition. And so maybe yeah. for your kids, that they were genetically predisposed to have autistic tendencies. You know, whereas other kids might be predi- genetically predisposed predisposed to lean towards cancer or diabetes or whatever it happens to be and so but the reality is what we're learning is that you know if you get the lifestyle right then it seems like at least in most cases you can avoid fulfilling that predisposition you know it's just a predisposition but it doesn't mean you have to go there and and so i think that's where the the nature and the nurture sort of merge in together
1: well that's the thing that we've been sort of tossing up and trying to work out is like we had this perfect baby and there was nothing wrong with him and then we started hitting these developmental milestones and he became sicker and more withdrawn and and had more and more of these traits, you know, just came to light. At what point was it, you know, when we started doing things right, when we actually started giving the body what it needed and becoming more mindful, it's like we downregulated all those symptoms to a point now where William, there's no way he would meet, a, you know, that sort of diagnosis if we took him back into the same psychologist's office um, psychiatrist's office for a diagnosis. We've been able to downregulate a lot of those things. And now, even though my mum's got Asperges, um, Mark is or used to be very, my husband used to be very um, sensory, I suppose. He didn't make eye contact. Um, he had, you know, issues with speech and language. Very, very clever man. But even he on his side had some traits, you know. So I can see that as a genetics thing, it's there. But what we did in the environment certainly turned it on. And then what we changed in our environment has just turned it off. That's the only way you can explain the results and the change in our kids is that if we continued down that path, I don't know where we would be. But because we made changes and we worked towards those things and we identified them as we did and just dealt with them and we reframed our thinking and our lives and, and the action we took, we got back these kids. You know, like that's, you know, I suppose that's kind of the biggest picture of is the outcome is that we had normal children and then we didn't and they were sick and intolerant to everything. And now we've got these beautiful kids back, you know, like, is that not the proof in the pudding?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Of
1: what
0: you're talking about. And, Leah, we're almost out of time, um, but there's one oh, more question yes. I want to ask you yes. before we go, and it's kind of off-topic, but I want to ask it anyway.
1: I love off-topic um,
0: things. So, I'm really curious about how William's going with his tennis, doing lots more sport, obviously, <laughs> and you have <laughs> quite a low-carb lifestyle, um, and so I'm just curious to know how you're going with his diet, and okay. whether you've had to change anything okay. to account for the excess um, exercise that he's now doing.
1: Uh, look with the so paleo was one thing i mean gaps was time and place we needed to heal and seal the gut he needed to be able to extract nutrients and those sorts of things and paleo gave us the evolutionary understanding of what our body needed and how to thrive and all those other things but now that he's in a tennis program in a tennis school 13 hours a week on court training um strength and conditioning and all the other stuff and he's 13 so he's going through puberty he's going through a huge amount of food but we have predominantly got the kids in a ketogenic paleo, a low-carb paleo approach. Mm. We're still eating similarly. We've just ramped up the portion sizes for him. Mm. But because he's working in low-carb, because he's constantly using fats as an energy source, there's no spike and crash when he's on court. There's Mm. no, you know lack of concentration when he goes into the classroom, his brain function and his energy levels are just smooth. You know, like he's he doesn't snack in between things. He eats breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, you know, like we don't have any of those sorts of issues. We are mindful of the fact that he needs a higher amount of protein in his diet because he is growing at the moment he is using his muscles quite a lot we make sure that we've got you know things in his diet and his um he's on some supplements as well um just to make sure that he's getting those things you know kids boys particularly need zinc making sure that he's got access to all those things filtered waters we're you know just about to start next week i've been invited to the school and i've got to teach the kids how to make their own sports drinks you know the kids in the in his tennis program so we're starting to look at more of a sports style diet but we're still following you know like dr stephen finney's approach on you know athletes and and their diet and and using fats as a predominant source of energy um but so far things are going really well you know like he's doing really really well keeping up um his attitude is great i think you know like he's he's got no aspirations to be an elite world-class tennis player or even a coach but he just loves being able to participate and keep up with those other kids and enjoy what he's doing and his body is certainly stacked up to that at the moment so um i suppose shout out to the the amount of um sort of collagen beef gelatin collagen jellies that i make the juice those things are really important for you know the connective tissues and cartilages and and stuff like that. So, you know, that's where we are at the moment. We've got amazing kids and we've just got to keep on top of tweaking the diet, changing it, modifying it seasonally and then also weekly because of the demands that we see and that they're, they're going through.
0: Great work, Leah. We are out of time. So people are going to want to find out more about you and they can obviously head to your website, leahfollett.com. That's dot com. They can find out all about you. They can find out all about your books, which is Autistic to Artistic and A Well-Fed Heart. They can find out about your retreats, which you're doing in Bali, which look amazing. Yes,
1: we've got Bali coming up. And you've got a new
0: program coming out soon. Very quickly, Leah. I know that's hard for you. Can you explain your new program very quickly?
1: Uh, Very quickly, Um, program is just um, food, water, uh, low-chem living and finding balance. So the things we spoke about today, more or less, in a nutshell, um, just broken down in the simplest terms. So you've got a broad picture, more information if you need it, but this is what you do. This is how you do it. And we just get on with it. So, it's a supported community.
0: It's the nuts and bolts. I love it, Leah. That sounds great. Thank you for coming on board again, Leah. I look forward to catching up with you soon in Melbourne where you are now.
1: Can you you hurry up and book a flight? Come on.
0: I will. We will come Come catch up, I promise. Um, I do. I could come to you. You can. You can. You're always welcome.
1: You're just down the road now.
0: I know. So, for everyone else, until next week, join the conversation on Facebook, give us a five-star rating on iTunes, join our newsletter list at ThatPaleoShow.com, and let's help grow the paleo tribe worldwide. Join us next week on That Paleo Show. This has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash couch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter, The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives.